So, three wishes. I want them to be good. What would you wish for? Me? No one's ever asked me that before. Well, in my case, I forget it. What? No, I can't. I... <laughs> Come on, tell me. Freedom. Okay, so for, for our main topic today, I'm trying to do something a little different with how we approach this because this is a big one. I, I feel like not just for us, but for most of our, of our listeners, for most movie-going animation fans, like this is an all-timer. And so I'm not going to try and approach this in just uh, like how we typically do movie viewings. I'm not going to be like, oh, wasn't it funny when they did this? Oh, remember when they did that? Because like everybody knows, everybody knows this movie. So I want to try and approach it because of how I value it now as an adult. Because when I was a kid, Aladdin was my favorite Disney movie, partly because it came out at the right time. I was five when it came out, and I, I was just told you this funny story that my, our mom always likes to say, because obviously she would take me to these movies, and she, for whatever reason, thought this, this movie was going to suck. And I don't know why. She was not anti-Disney, but she, maybe the commercials weren't selling her. I maybe she should look at the commercials and see if they do a good job of selling it or something. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously we did not walk away from it feeling that way. And this movie kind of became one of my obsessions, and that expanded to when like there was there was like you know video games when it got sequels and a TV show and stuff like that because they obviously made a little they franchised it, mm -hmm. and so I was it held a lot of nostalgic value for me. And then around the time of like college and adulthood, when I revisited it as an animation student and as a lover of filmmaking, uh, I gained so much more respect for it beyond just the nostalgic. Oh, it's a good movie. I think yes, this is a quintessential piece of my childhood, but as an adult and a fan of animation, filmmaking, storytelling with a more critical and observant uh, eye. I love it now because I think it is such a smartly written, crafted, and like tightly paced film with an excellent grasp of structure, pacing, character, ambience. It's just, it's so, I don't know, this is kind of like everything that Disney can do good in their movies combined into one movie. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, just to, yeah, to lay some groundwork on how we felt about this movie as kids. I think, I don't believe I saw this in theaters with you guys. You would have been too. too. Yeah. Um, but VHS. We, we owned the VHS and it, um, it has a, uh, uh, about as high praise as you can give for a movie. It, it, we watched it so much that we had to replace this VHS twice while oh, we were remember growing that. up. Yeah, we, we, we watched it so much that the, uh, we wore out the tapes. Um, and so we had to replace this movie twice, and it is, um, I, I got to watch it again before this podcast, and I, um, just revisiting it, it is, it is such a special movie for, for so many reasons. Um, you know, I think, I think between it's like excellent pacing, the like phenomenal, uh, I think characters that are built in such little time, and you know, I think for, for a lot of us, you know, this truly, like, I know he's a genie, but also just, like, this magical role done by Robin Williams. Like, it's... It's like the one he was born to play. <laughs> it's 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 truly, like, unbelievable. Watching it back now, it is... It, with just, like, an eye toward... The, just knowing a little bit more about acting, um, the way he does... The way he creates this character with his voice is unbelievable. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, you know, funny, like, pop culture -y things he jumps into yeah. in this movie, but but... Beyond that, he really just creates this this unbelievable, fully realized, fully actualized, like 
three-dimensional character out of this I think in in a in a even slightly less skilled actor's hands kind of just like a a dumb bit of comedic relief um, yeah this is it, it so easily could have been an obnoxious character correct and I think part of that is they know because he is 90 he has his, his sweet moments but it's like 90 percent rapid fire jokes and visuals and impressions and it's like so if you actually look at it, he's, I think Genie is only in the movie for maybe 20 to 25 minutes mm-hmm. of a 90-minute movie. And I'm sure that's because that they're like, we know that this stuff is amazing, but if we give you too much, you're going to get burned out just because of, of how rapid it is. Yeah, I mean, so, you find yourself, whenever Genie's not on screen, wanting Genie, which is probably what, what it's you be- want. It's better than going, that's too much Genie. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, and there's, there's other stuff. Like, I want to just touch on real quick. I researched some of the uh, stuff about its conception and production. Because there was a bit of a struggle in one thing because – do you know who Alan Macon and Howard Ashman were? Yes, they do. So they were a, uh, a – one. I believe uh, Ashman was – yeah, Ashman was a lyricist and Alan Macon did the, the melodies. They blew up with uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. And so kind of continuing the tradition of getting like uh, the Lopez's and Lin-Manuel Miranda, like people who blew up on Broadway. Uh, Disney first recruited them for Little Mermaid, so great songs there. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, great songs there. And they were trying to get them to do this. Uh, the tragedy is that even before, right before uh, Beauty and the Beast came out, Ashman died of AIDS. Right. So uh, Alan Menken brought in another, I believe it was Tim Rice who worked on Lion King, uh, and and fit to finish. Like I think one or two of the songs were not uh, Ashman involved, but um, amazing soundtrack of like both the instrumental and these these songs are all iconic. There isn't a dud among them, and they all have different flavors and different different reasons for being in the movie and different pace, and it's just. I, I, that was a terrible chef's kiss. That wasn't a chef's kiss. That was just muh. This movie's so muh. Yeah, well, especially when you consider some of the, I think, some of the best cutting ever done for a movie, especially because we we are, th- thanks to, you know, DVD extras and behind-the-scenes stuff, we know how different this movie was originally. Yes. There was there was so many uh, changes made just over the course of production. Yes. Um, and, and they found these pretty remarkable ways they had, you know, all this backstory for Aladdin's character with his mom and, and these friends, human friends. friends, these human friends. And basically, you know, either because things felt too drab or too sad or also just for time, um, and so that they could focus more on the on the characters they wanted to focus on, they ended up cutting a lot of these things. Yeah. But they they, you know, you you look back on some of this stuff and they were trying to find if like Functional ways to humanize and uh, give you give you some background for this character, um, and they they so succeed with so little. I mean, we get the this you know it's funny watching back that iconic like street rat song that Aladdin sings to himself. One, one jump ahead. No, no, no. Like, oh, it's a reprise. Street it's rat riff raff. It's so um, good. Is but it's it's that's like the one I really remember, and it's only like. Um, half a minute half a minute long and it's it's beautiful and it's beautiful and it's so wonderful but it is like they are so sparse with so many things in this movie um, but not in a bad way but not like in a bad way they know when to hold, hold, hold out in a very just considerate way um, I I don't know I think the movie is kind of a masterpiece there's a million things I like about yeah. it but I'll, I'll well, get to them as you're let's going get through going, yeah let's go through it so I want to say two things at the beginning it's one so you know that Rob Williams plays that merchant narrator yeah I, I didn't when I was a kid but I I, I think when I was getting a little bit older, I finally like, just realized. Yeah, two things because obviously the improv, all the parts where he's doing the products, like it will not break. Oh, it broke! Like he improvs all that. I'm sure. Um, and the original draft had an ending reveal where he was shown to be the freed genie in a human form. 
Mm. They, they obviously that's abandoned, and canonically he's his own guy. But it is just a fun. It's also just a fun touch that you get. You have Robin Williams in a little dual role. Oh yeah. And then so the actual story starts. I think it's interesting. So before we see our hero at all, we get an extended and initially very calm scene introducing our villain. But I love how Jafar is introduced with these nighttime shadows kind of obscuring him, and initially he's very quiet and ominous. Uh, because and, and it, but it's to ease you into it. It's like you're watching this movie. Let's let's settle you in, and then you know, oh, the beetle lights up. Here's the cave, and that sort of stuff. And like there's spurts of it, like when it freaks out and like slams Kutchat and kills Gazim. You know, the the, the guy who wasn't worthy. Yeah. And I want to say about Jafar, he's one of my favorite Disney villains and Disney characters. Me too. Uh, also, props to his uh, voice, Jonathan Freeman, who's primarily a stage actor. Um, he actually played him on Broadway for a while when they did the adaptation. Oh, I didn't realize that. Was, of course. Uh, but I think what makes him such a great villain for this kind of movie is because this is a movie that wonderfully balances being zany, cartoony, and hyper with emotional and quiet and character-driven. And he is capable of, from moment to moment, be- being legit menacing and legit funny in a way that doesn't feel like a betrayal of either. Yeah, one one particular moment in this movie that maybe I, 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 I didn't give it its credit when I was younger, but upon rewatching it just uh, a couple weeks ago... Um, the the reprise of Prince Ali when he, that he does when he gains power is um, one of the greatest villain moments for me in Disney movies. It is it is at all times um, slightly funny, uh, but like very menacing, yeah. very scary, very dramatic. He's taking everyone um, out. He's taking everyone out in in moments, and it uh, it doesn't feel like. Uh, a throwaway villain song. It feels like this, like huge split in it's everything regarding it. It's a huge turning point, um, and I, I, I really like. I mean, props to the acting, but gosh, props to the writing um, and animation. And animation. It's really unbelievable. I believe because like uh, back in the day, Disney had the way two D productions work that you have a head animator for the key poses and you have like in between and stuff like that. Uh, Jafar's head guy was Andreas Deja, who went on to animate Scar, another fantastic villain. Yeah. And uh, I find it interesting, after that he did Hercules, the character. So he, oh. got, he got to, that must have been very different for him, yeah. to go from medicine to a, to a lovable loaf, kind of. Um, and so, but I, I think that shows versatility. Yeah, and I think, you know, it does something that, you know, Disney has a, a, like a, a villain formula they use very, very often that I... Uh, uh, I think sometimes they succeed very well, and sometimes it's it's a little bit more annoying. But that I think they really nailed in this one is that you know the villain and their zanier henchmen. I mean, we oh we have it. Oh. You know, in Hercules, it's Hades has pain and panic. Yes. In you know Lion King, we've got uh, the, the hyenas. You know, it's it's a pretty prevalent thing in these movies. Gaston has uh, LeFou. Yeah, LeFou. Who uh, I think you know they they do this thing pretty well. But this may be my favorite. Version of that. This uh, was also, I think, most people's, most of our age introduction to Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, he wasn't that big before this. Yeah, he had and small roles. He was comedian, and now I'm like, I, that's a case where I don't even see here Gilbert Gottfried. You know, when I'm in the roles, I'm like, oh, it's Iago. Yeah, and I think I think Iago is really interesting because unlike a lot of these other like villain henchman pairings and a lot of these other Disney movies, is that he is in this movie like as much as Jafar. He's, he's like, on his shoulder. He's always there, and he is just a like really fun foil for this character who lets who lets Jafar um, Jafar shuts him up when he's in his more like intense hero, like like kind of more menacing moments but Jafar also joins right in with him when he's in his more like zany moments like kind of highlight moments ske- yeah the, the kind of insanity of Jafar and I think the pairing is 
is something that does uh, a really wonderful job of creating some levity in the like really menacing moments for Jafar. I think it's just really well done, and I, I it's maybe my favorite villain henchman pairing done in the he's, Disney movies. He's wonderful. So after we get their introduction to them, because also remember, Iago keeps the, the facade of being classic cartoon parrot, which is for the record, since we we talked about our parrot, parrots don't work where you say something and they just start repeating that instantly. You got to train them to say a certain <laughs> thing. So like. Squawks isn't just going to say, say the lamp, the lamp. It's yeah. like, no, that doesn't work. They don't work like that. Then you got to train them like a dog. But then we cut to uh, introduction to Aladdin, and it's both uh, a great, a great fast paced moment. And again, it's kind of a smash cut because you've got the like, Jafar quietly going, I must find this diamond in the rough. And then stop thief! And it's just yeah. like, it goes from intense to very fun. You're, very in a di- you're in a different world now because this is. The, the villain's life and ways to the hero's life and ways and this song teaches you get, you, you get Aladdin in like an instant his and you're life also, and his personality you're also introduced to the scariest character in any Disney movie which is the woman who says still I think he's rather tasty when I was a kid I was like does he want to does he want to eat him and then I'm like oh that's a better yeah, yeah she's a very <laughs> scary woman um, but I, I think it's it's amazing it's, it's one of these like phenomenal action packed moments where we learn half of what we need to know about Aladdin right off the bat. I think we get the second half in the moment when he, he stops that uh, prince from, you know, whipping that child in front, of, yeah. Yeah, in front of the, uh, the palace there and then sings the Street Rat song. I think both that and I think it's the same kids he, he gives the bread to. I think you're correct about it, that. It definitely establishes his, his moral code that he's kind of like an honorable thief in, in mm-hmm. a way. way. Uh, and it also shows that you know he and Abu work in synchronicity, combined with later when they steal the watermelon when they meet Jasmine and stuff like that. Yep. I also uh, I forgot about that. I didn't forget about Abu, but I forgot that he's kind of a jerk in this first movie, more so because they mailed him out in the sequels and shows because he had to be paired up with Iago so much, who's just a bastard. Yeah, and you know they they make him um, you know a a more reluctant like kind of uh, hero character, but he's you know he's. Super lovable, but he, you know, he causes this problem. He picks up yeah. a lamp. He does all these things. Well, he, he's constantly trying to get treasure. Yeah. Right? Or, or, I mean, he's stealing the gem in the, the cave. En- yeah. The end of Friend Like Me, where he's scooping the how many? Is oh that? yeah. And at the end, he's like, pulling it, it's all gone. He's like trying to shake out. He's like, oh. oh yeah. And props to uh, Frank Welker, who's like one of the best animal voices in the business, as always. Like the monkey voice. Like when I heard him in Dexter's Lab, I was like, there's a boo and stuff like yeah. that. And so next part is because we've talked about these these introductions. I do also want to say that pausing and rewinding my Blu-ray rip of this movie because I didn't want to just stream it on Disney Plus. I want the highest quality possible and free stream and stuff because I've gotten into more studying animation like uh, in between stuff like that. I even did that with the new Space Jam. Like there's there's great great props to the animators in that movie, um, and there's a lot of interesting techniques there. And if you want some fun ones, try like when Aladdin's doing and Abu are doing like rapid movements. They do some real squash and stretch and mm-hmm. smears, so like they really distort and get stretched out. And it looks really silly to free frame it, but it just makes for such dynamic, fun movement. Well, yeah, and you want to, you want to talk about animation. This was like, um, this is a huge thing because I know, you know, we'd seen Beauty and the Beast where there was like that one iconic moment where we get like the camera panning around the 3D ballroom yes, while they're the dancing. Early creation of CG. But we, we get to see uh, in this movie, like, you know, things that, you know, don't look phenomenal now, but at the time were like revolutionary, like the moment when they're escaping, yes. um, flying on the carpet, and also the moment where. Aladdin is on the like the 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 snowy mountainside and the rolling tower that still looks with the good. keyhole. The tower. That that still does look That's good. That's an intense moment. Yeah, no. If you freeze frame the walls of the uh, Cave of Wonders in that like first person part, they look very blurry textured. They look like a PS One game almost. Actually, I think another one that holds up pretty well. The Cave of Wonders head is CG. Yes. Yeah. And actually, that one that one holds up better than anything. That one I fooled think. me as a kid because it's in the shadows. I thought yeah. it was hand drawn. 
and it uh, it's you know it's it's a lot of I think you know I don't know as nearly as much about animation as you do, but you can see these new techniques at play that are used very sparingly but uh, very strongly when they there are used. Actually, is another it was, uh, the thing of Disney early adopting something. This was their only only their second movie that was animated digitally. That was two D. Mm. Like they still would do pencil drawings and then they would scan them in and work on them for like sharper resolution that sort of stuff. Right. They use it in parts of Little Mermaid and then their first uh, all digital was actually Rescuers Down Under. Okay. So that came out in between uh, and then Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I guess this was their, their third. Beauty and the Beast did that. And I do want to touch on that uh, technology was developed by some fairly new at the comp- time company called Pixar. Maybe they should try and work on some more stuff together. It might be cool. Yeah, it could be on. good. I wonder what happened to them. Uh, next scene after Aladdin's introduction and that beautiful song and such. I also want to say this movie has great scene transitions, like a real rhythm to it. Like when Jafar is first, you know, you kind of like when we he's walking away from the Sultan, he's like, soon someday I'll be tall. And then I shove the crack of time. So you get this harsh slam, like door shut on his lair and just move on to the next scene. And they do the opposite for emotional moments. Like when Rajal helps Jasmine uh, leave, he just lays down and whimpers. And that's the end of that scene. Like establishing a, like a harsh tone, a sad tone. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's all baked into the the rhythm and the timing and the and the structure. It's it's it gets everything across so well. Yeah, and I think speaking of speaking of which, I think Jasmine is uh, continues to be one of my favorite Disney princesses right. of all time. I think she's phenomenal. I think you know the way they kind of handle her juxtaposed story with Aladdin, where you know she has this desperate want to be you know, out and free and, you know, he has this desperate need just for others, essentially. The, the way that they, right. they kind of depict their... their uh, two sides of the same coin. Two sides. She uh, feels... Uh, uh, she's, she's very developed and she is, doesn't feel like a uh, kind of a... Damsel. Damsel or just no. like just a character for Aladdin to watch. She is. No, her. She's, she's got a bright interest. Actually, one of my favorite. I'm just giving her a little bit. One of my favorite little moments is after a whole new world. You expect she. Well, she is swept up at the moment. She literally goes, "Oh, it's all magical and stuff. It's beautiful." Right. But, but she. I love how she gets into slip by mentioning Abu. You actually see there's a great animation moment where she. You can see her thinking for a second, like, "Oh, I got an idea." Yeah. And it's just like she's still sharp and there's and that's the constant thing and like her being very open with how much she hates Jafar and that sort of stuff and her dad's decisions I've always I've always thought about this uh, moment in this movie that is like uh, a truly like a it feels like a big screw you to uh, uh, Superman in a, in a way that I really like which What's is that? that it's like we see all these things you know like back in the day especially with Superman stuff where it's like oh he changed his clothes and changed his like hair a little bit nobody yes. can recognize yes. him and it's like you know when he becomes Prince, a, Ali. A Prince Ali and all that stuff it's like we are watching this thing. We're like, he still looks like Aladdin and sounds, and sounds like Aladdin. And it's like, I, I'm a fan of the fact that they don't like. She knows. She she gets it almost immediately. That is my one logical in this. Jafar doesn't recognize him at all. That's the one mistake I think they should have done something. I wonder, but I, I also, I mean, in my mind, and maybe you're right about that, but in my mind, Jafar didn't like think of him much of as a person like didn't really care oh, yeah, about didn't him. Look like, down on him but um, I'm like they get really close up to each other yeah but I think I think you know it's it's perhaps a, a, a little different there maybe they look themselves into a corner and we're like we just gotta roll with this yeah but everything um, else is so well done but yeah so we get the we get them uh, meeting each other it's like, and people talk about this thing. any story where people fall in love in a single day is far-fetched but their time together with stuff like doing the pole vaulting and I'm a fast learner and mm-hmm. besides that point like man I, this makes sense I mean, it makes sense why you guys are liking each other because 
you got some of the same ideals, you've got some of the same talents and stuff like that. Um, and also, I do want to bring up uh, a recurring. It's not even a gag. It's a. It's a. It becomes a plot point. Aladdin is really good with his wits because you know Jasmine's going to get her, her arm cut off because for shoplifting, uh, accidentally. And then he does the whole thing like she's my crazy sister. I'll take her to the doctor. And she plays along with the camel. Hello. Oh yeah, not that one. Um, she thinks the monkey is the salt and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, and, and you think that could be a one-off thing just to get her out of trouble, but there are two other key plot points, including like literally how the day is saved, where he he, he does that, and it's just so it it gives you a good idea of how he survived for so long in his situation. I think a great. Uh, visual gag is um, yeah w- the fact that Jafar does the old man disguise because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't want to be, you know I'm sure it's like if he reveals himself that then and so he survives he could rat him out right but I love a thing they do clearly for the audience where you know he has his back turned to Aladdin and Yago yeah, shows that he's the the hunchback he's right. like hurry up I'm dying in here and that's the way to like clue you in the audience without doing something dumb like he takes the mask off for no reason it's like you get it it also prevents the inverse like if Aladdin saw Jafar when he tried to be Prince Ali, he would clearly be like, uh, but it helps that like to him he's never met this guy. Another of my favorite scene transitions, um, you know, when he's like, do we have a deal? And then it hard cuts to like a, th- a sandstorm and like yeah. blaring music. It's like to show you the harsh elements. I, I also want to touch on animation wise, uh, the carpet once they get inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, did you know that his body was CG? I actually didn't know that. Because That's he's cool. got such a complicated pattern. Yeah. So the tassel hands are hand Right. And especially because he like picks stuff up, like he'll dust off a booze hat and stuff. But with all the different like configurations he that gets That would be a nightmare into. to do and, and, and like even like if you watch the sequels in the show because he was hand drawn, they had to simplify it. Okay. And uh, but it's 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 also I read about like what a challenge it was, like how do we make a rug emote when we're not like changing the shape at all. Well they do it very well. They do it very well, like he's dejected, he's happy. I love when um when, you know, you lot judges like tell me the truth and you basically Carpet has like one tassel on like a chin, and he gestures the other like well. Yeah, uh, it's 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 charming, and so we get to um, the escape from 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 Great uh, Wonders. I'll just say one of my favorite jokes is this is no time to panic, start panicking. Yep, I do love that. And uh, and do you know about people saying that it sounds like Abu says oh shit? He does. He says oh shit. I oh, stand shit. by that. Oh shit! I, I can't blame him. Uh, no, he's about to. He's, he's about to get rock popping into lava. If any time, if any time for a Disney character to swear, it's imminent death. I think there's a, there's a lot of those Disney theories about you know like weird stuff happening in the in the the animators snuck in or oh, stuff yeah, like that. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, you think that one's? I believe this one is real. I wonder if I ever meet Frank Welker, I'm going to ask him. Maybe he's maybe he said it online. I don't know. Um, and uh, I will say now I'm thinking like, man, Toy Story would be better if they're just all you know staring down the incinerator. But he just goes, well, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> would heighten the emotion so much, you know. But this gets me to uh, one of my favorite moments in animated movie history, mm. which is introduction of the genie and genie's song. Mm. Um, Friend like me is kind of incredible when you watch it by yes. itself. It is like it is a. It's very unique visually from the rest of the movie. It's very unique visually from the rest of the movie. It's like a conglomeration of like a bunch of different like animation and musical styles it like takes things from like Broadway and stage shows yeah, and like it's very the the moment where he's dancing with his hands like the blown up version of his hands is like I kind of a book of that when we were little yeah it's kind of unbelievable um, the way they the way they do it and the kind of the how it, it it's one of those things where like I can't tell which was feeding which but like it just seems like his 
his voice is so perfectly suited for every moment they jump to. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just, it's it's truly. They probably base the visual around it. Yeah, it's just truly unbelievable. Um, so I have some interesting notes here about his involvement in the movie. So do you know how they convinced him to sign on? I know that the, some of the issues with him late uh, in the movie, release. Yes, well, well, but I don't know how they're going to sign on. Um, so. Part of it was because you know he's, he they knew like he does different voices he puts on different personas. We have this magical, all powerful character who can shape shift and that sort of stuff. And I think the official explanation is he can see into the far future, which is why he knows who like Ed Sullivan and all these people are. Yeah. But um, they did a pencil animation test of the genie set to some of his stand up. I've seen clips of it where I think he talks about him having multiple personalities and like heads pop out of his shoulders. He's <laughs> like, I am too. No, shut up, you and that sort of stuff. And that's what gave, that's what made him just be like, okay, this could work. And uh, the crew also, for a lot of the scenes where he's rapid fire, the way that worked was they would give him some guidelines, like here's the topic, here's some suggestions for stuff to talk about, but otherwise told him to do his thing and go wild. And uh, his head animator, Eric Goldberg, uh, would manually review everything recorded and select the stuff that he thought was both highlights and well-suited to what they had going on. Mm -hmm. You can actually, I watched, they storyboarded a bunch of outtakes from him. And you, so look it up sometime. I'd say it's like one third. One third is like, well, that's not as good as what, he, what, he, what it was in the, in the final product. Right. One third is this is good, but it goes on really long. We throw off the pace. And then one third is like, this is really good, but you know they had to like do a Sophie's Choice. Like, which one do we pick? Yeah. And I want to, so uh, this is another thing I'm talking about. They will often when they have to drop like exposition or character growth, they'll do it after these big moments. Mm -hmm. So after a friend like me is when he does stuff like he has to narrow down like the rules. Yeah, I can't kill. I can't resurrect. Can't I can't make someone fall in love. And you can see a light and go like, hmm, when he's bringing up the love thing because you know he was he was going to think about one of his wishes to be to hook up with Jazz. Yeah, and that goes right into your you know your next version of like Aladdin showing off his wit. He like tricks him into it's granting not a being wish. impressed. You're getting your wishes, so sit down. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and so that's and this is also like the I'd say this whole part is like the Act One Act Two break. Yeah, and so they. I'll also say this came earlier, but one of my favorite Jafar deliveries because it's 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 a good part of the menacing is when he flies to Jasmine about beheading Aladdin, mm -hmm. and it's just that like the colors are muting so that whispered death by beheading, and you can mm -hmm. tell he's kind of taking pleasure in it. Oh yeah, he's a creep, and it's just such a it's it, it's it is. I realize like you, you don't show Aladdin alive till the next scene, but I think everybody, even a five year old, knowing the logic of a kid movie, were like, okay, they did not kill the main character twenty minutes in. That'd be a very different movie. Right, but I, I mean, I don't think we're meant to believe that at we're all. We're not. Like, I'm just know. saying. I'm just saying. Like, I'm, I, yeah, even kids, I think, would be like, well, he's that's that, that's not how it's happening. So we start the the scene, the Oasis. You know, the setup for Prince Ali, but also. One of my favorite things, like you start with the jokes, like the flight attendant, the sheep, bad boy, and that sort of stuff. But then you establish real conflict and goals for Genie. Like he's no longer just a, a, a respiratory for for repository, whatever it is, for a source of jokes and, and and stuff like that. It's like, oh, he has his own circle. He has his own thing where it's like he has all his power, but he can't. He's a prisoner. There's three moments in this movie for the, or actually four moments in this movie for Genie for me that like really stick out as like emotional touchstones of this movie. And I love, the first one is probably his delivery of like, you know, what would I wish for? Gosh, no one's ever asked me yeah, that before. Yeah, freedom. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, oh, you phenomenal content powers that would be like some of his best jokes. And it, uh, living space. Actually, no, one of my favorite deliveries of his in that scene isn't the be living space. It's when he's like, not enough to go, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And you can hear him blowing out the mic, but they keep it and animate a poof to it. Yeah. It just shows like how sick he is of that feel. Yeah. It's so good. And then, of course, we when we uh, start the Prince Abu, Prince Abu, Prince Ali transformation, 
the uh, the montage of turning Abu into different things, and one of my favorite things as a kid, and still is the split second of him as a car. Yeah, because you get different animals, and you just get a quick. Huh? <laughs> and it's it's just so it, the, the, all these like there are. Like, doesn't he turn into uh, some Disney character at some point? He might, but I feel like I went through that scene and there weren't. But there are Pinocchio and Sebastian show up in that scene with Gene. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I love that. Oh, should be a hump, right? Whoop! He has a long nose, and yep. then uh, he's doing the king recipes, last the king crab, and you hear a little bit of. Oh, I can't really do that. R.I.P. Sebastian's original actor. He died recently. I know it's so sad. The Pete Diggs was sending out tributes, so we get that, and we also a smart thing they do with Jafar here is it would be so easy for him to like feel like he doesn't have any purpose when he has when he's lost the lamp right but then he gets the idea idea because he assumes it's gone forever with a lot you know he's he lost his one shot you know we can go to the cave now and so it and iago actually has the idea like why don't we fake up this loophole where you where jasmine can marry you and that gives you the power to be a new sultan yeah and also cuz he's still i mean the fact of the matter is even without the lamp he still is a sorcerer He's still um, scheming. He's still he's scheming. He's still up. got that like mind control power. Yes, the the Cobra staff and and so on. And it also because this soon after like right before Prince Ali, he does it a second time. And I love the fact that it's also one of my favorite gags to keep from feeling like a carbon copy. He just stops. But you're so old. <laughs> it gets me hard every time. I'm yeah. like, he sees through the bull. It's so obvious like how wrong is he sees. He's mentally sees through the bullshit. Like ah, uh. yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Um, and so Prince Ali's introduction, it's another over-the-top song, more grounded than, in some ways, than Friend Like Me because it's still taking place in the real world. But still very, like, bombastic. Bombastic and also, like, musically inspired, like, you know, with with the, like, true, like, choreography and, like, uh, uh, oh, over-the-top set that is, like, they're coming through. It's just, it's yes. so fun. They're just, like, people carrying so many ridiculous things. I think like, they have, like, bird cages stacked on bird cages for, like, a exotic collection, stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I do want to mention our, our dad has loved to sing the chorus for 20... Ever. Almost 30 years. This movie's almost 30 years old. Ugh. Yeah. To think about that, people our age. But he always does the line, genuflect, show some respect down on one knee. Yeah. And uh, I also want to touch on the... When Aladdin comes in and is, you know, introducing himself to the Sultan and Jafar and stuff... The movie goes full Looney Tunes for a second when the Sultan tries the carpet and it's hounding Iago. Yeah. I love he falls, he snatches the column and instead of birds spinning, he's got little Sultans. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like there, there are these moments where they're like, we're going to go full zany with this, but it, it suits it because of the sense of humor they've been consistent with. There's not, Absolutely. There's not a part of this movie where it feels like the tone breaks. Like... Sometimes you can have a movie, an animated movie or a cart or or a video game that like we've talked about like Sonic trying to take itself too seriously yes. and stuff like that. Like Aladdin knows when to be emotional or foreboding or dark, but it doesn't do it in a way that betrays what has come before it. Yeah, I mean it, had, it knows its identity. I mean, like the again, like Robin Williams is not to keep just harping on how great he is in this, but it's okay. But he's the king of that in this movie. I mean, there's there's two times where it, like really stands out to me. The first being you know the time where Aladdin inevitably tells him that he needs his final wish. Yeah, um, and Robin Williams is like betrayed by him, and he has that funny like um, uh, you know popping back into his lamp and like ignoring and Aladdin, raspberrying him, and like raspberrying him out of the lamp. That is like both very touching and also still a funny moment. Followed almost immediately by when uh, Aladdin is captured and thrown into the water. Well, that's and before. Oh, okay, uh, and is is underwater, and Robin Williams pops out, and you know. 
saves him, but he's like, you know, he says basically can't do it without the wish and all that. I'll take that as a yes. It's a very funny moment, but it's also like very touching, and you can tell the intense, very intense. There's a lot of fear in it, and it's I don't know, a really well done moment. Yeah, and I always think of like right after that he goes to yell, doing a German Das Boot type impression, yes. like Operoskopen, and then he yells a bunch of German, and but then like you know they have the real down to earth, like don't scare me like that, and the hug, and I'm getting fond of you, like these. Even as a kid, I was like, oh, they have a real camaraderie of this by this point, yeah. and that's so sweet. And that is why the heartbreak of him kind of turning on him a minute later is even more Yeah, and he you can see in his eye, like, his design changes to be more gigantic and hulking and shadowy, because he's working for an evil guy now. Yeah. But he looks so heartbroken. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, I have to do this. These are the rules of the lamp. The, the Prince Ali and Whole New World is booking by a lot of conversations. Uh, you've got first between Ali, Jafar, and the Sultan, then Aladdin and Genie, then Ali and Jasmine, and... Uh, one more, I feel like one more after that would have, might have been overkill, but then they know the right time to pull out like the most famous song in the movie, which is actually one of the shorter ones. Like it has one verse basically, and, and but it's it's a touching and funny and like, enthralling moment. Yeah, like, you can totally get it, like that. This kind of wins her over on Prince Ali, and it's really you know it's like just very beautiful. It's like a very fun kind of amazing movie moment. Yes, and I, I will say people have noted like. Man, I guess one of the powers includes being able to show the entire Eastern Hemisphere in the span of an evening. Yep. <laughs> There's actually a comic I saw where it shows, like, this is the speed they must have been going. They look like they're in, like, a, a, a centrifuge. Like, <laughs> I'm like, willing to suspend my disbelief. Yes. And, uh, and I mentioned I mentioned Jasmine mentioning Abu and kind of exposing him like that, but he still can't get himself to, to tell the truth. Yeah, he has so many chances. It would have been a very different movie if it happened, but it wouldn't have been as interesting. And Okay, so after that, another great harsh transition, you know, when... He, he takes her back to her room and it's lying back looking at the stars like things are going right and then boom the guard's shadowy hand is jumping and oh, yeah. bound him up and it just all goes to shit it's a real like oh like if you don't if you see something the first time it catches you off guard it's yeah. intentional and it's a real like oh and it's another moment showing what a, what a how horrible Jafar is like yeah. he just won't commit murdered for petty reasons and this is going to be something that if this movie was standalone it would be no big deal but <laughs> even as a kid I was like do you remember who Razul is the head guard yeah so Razul's last appearance in this movie is throwing Aladdin to his death off a cliff and laughing. But even after Aladdin is, is becoming a hero and lives with him, Razul stays with the palace guard. So I guess Aladdin forgave him for that. And then in Return of Jafar, you know, he's framed for murder and they're gonna, he's, Razul's the one who's going to behead him. I'm like, Aladdin, why don't you just tell the Sultan to fire this guy? He's, he's not good news. <laughs> I, I can't speak to that, but it does seem a bit odd. Yeah, though great job by uh, Jim Cummings as yep. Rizal. Like, that's another thing I associate with him. And, it's yeah. nice to hear Pete come out and do that. He's, he's, he's totally Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So another, uh, we talked about the drowning scene. And so then uh, he, so we, the this is kind of the bookend to the third act where he gets him, has, Song gets hypnotized again and is going to try and force the marriage. And I think a great line to show another scummy side of Jafar. Do you remember what he says when Jasmine gasps? No. You're speechless, I see. A fine quality in a wife. Oh, yes. Um, and, it, and it becomes clearly like he does have some genuine lust for her, but it's like he, he she would only be a trophy wife. It would be a oh, yeah. horrible relationship. I and mean, then we can see that when he, you know, sorcerers her outfit later in the movie. And... Oh, the Princess Leia Slave outfit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then, you know, Jafar is disposed, Aladdin noses the staff. And it's a key moment because Jafar has to hide, but, you know, he while he's getting dragged away, he sees in the turban. The lamp and immediately puts it all together and yeah. that sets things up and uh, when it's another great thing of like getting like the energy of like the the, the bad guys think they're in a bad Iago thinks they're in a bad spot but Jafar's like oh everything's about to change he's just laughing um, 
I think it's Yago's best moment. He has that like little monologue. We gotta get out of here. Take all the guns, the weapons, the knives. And how about this picture? I think they got a weird look face in it. It's a very anachronistic joke because it sounds like it's a photograph. Yeah. And if you freeze frame when he's throwing something back, he throws like a pistol and brass knuckles, like stuff that wouldn't exist. Yeah. But one, that's something fun. And two, that was improvised by Gilbert Godfrey, and they were like, this is too funny to leave out. Yeah. And uh, so Iago does that. And we talked about the uh, that little argument, but where Aladdin says he can't free Genie with his last wish, right? Which is absolutely devastating. It it it's yeah. It feels like he's it's a hard spot for everybody. But you, can t- you you get this. This is where you start even in the city. You get a sense like things are about to go really wrong. Yeah, I don't know how yet, but um, some of Genie's funniest moments were before that. Both when he's doing like the one man band, the. Uh, Hooray for the conquering hero! Yes. Uh, then uh, he he pulls up the script. Your lines of only everyone free the genie at yeah. a time. And then my favorite, I can't do it. Sure you can. <laughs> like that must have slayed audiences. Yeah. Just so juvenile and silly. Yeah. And then it really you know the movie punches you in the gut. I was like, no, he has to stay a prisoner. And Aladdin is also feeling trapped because he's like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that they want me to rule this kingdom and I'm not cut out for this. I got to figure it out that the third wish will will work with this. And they make a really smart move after this. Aladdin talks to himself and gets a reality check and decides now's the time before things get too worse that he's going to tell Jasmine the truth. Yeah. And the only thing that stops him is is what happens to Jafar. But it's showing that he still has this moral compass. Like, yes. It's going to be easily a mark part where you don't sympathize with him after we just told Genie. But you're like, if Jafar hadn't screwed things up, he might have been able to work things out. Oh, yeah. So then... Jafar gets comes comes to power and get, we get that great song, a great menacing moment. I love the end when like his face fills the screen, he like cackling and laughing, his, his shadow is overtaking Jafar and so on. It's just like a oh shit. I do also love I never noticed as a kid when he launches off the tower to the ends of the earth. Did you notice he mimes a golf club swing? Oh his, yes. His, I never oh, yes. caught that as a kid because I didn't know it was familiar with golf. Um, and man, if Carpet hadn't thought to tag along in the tower, yep. this would have had a very bleak ending. Yep. Uh, yeah, and in that moment, right afterwards, where like Aladdin is stuck in the cold, like kind of ready to Himalayas or in the yeah, storm, almost like ready to give up for a moment, is like really like very beautiful and scary. And finding uh, Abu, Abu half frozen to death, and Aladdin kind of giving his like, you know, this is my fault, but yeah, I, I, I gotta it try mon- monologue. He starts um, walking, and then he finds carpet. And things get right idea. And then you know we've brought it up before already, but I I love that moment of the 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 tower rolling. It's very uh, Indiana Jonesy. It's very Indiana Jonesy, but it's also, it's like just very cinematic. It's very cool. Yeah, it turns into a back to blockbuster for a second. Actually, in a second, because then we get the, the final fight. But first, I will say, Jafar is still being a piece of shit with the, you know, the trophy wife. Yep. I always love the touch when he's eating an apple and like spits something on her cheek while talking. Oh, yeah. And, it's very foul. And we'll then combine that with, you know, he raises his arm and like, I'll teach you some respect. I didn't I didn't get what that meant as a kid. And now I'm like, yeah. fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's all just a good touch to show like how little he actually respects her when you know her whole thing has been about respect and, and self and like that sort of like not even self-respect but others to respect her and here's this guy who's the who's like the personification of the opposite of that on top of all this lust for power that we're gonna get into so it's another great tense moment the initial before they start fighting when um when Jeff realizes it and fakes falling in love mm-hmm. and so you've got stuff like you know Iago tries to yell and Abu, Abu subdues him you get the bowl flung over and then she like does the kiss and like everybody freezes because it's like oh oh Aladdin's face is so good Aladdin's face Jafar I mean Abu does the you blame them it's like oh that can't have been fun but unfortunately he catches the reflection um, I th- and so we have this like 
it's not super long. I think Lion King is probably the longest final showdown, and like Beauty and the Beast is really short. Uh, but like the final showdown, it's, it's very intense and bam, 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 and it's just it's escalating. Far, far, he's our man. If he can't do it, great. Um, and it's just like, and again, he's kind of like taking everybody out. But Jasmine, our guys, he turns up, he turns Abu into a toy. He unravels. He basically kills Carpet. Um, and then that like terrifying giant cobra. Oh yeah. Which, as a kid, I thought there literally were snakes that size because of this movie. I the, between that and the other one, like big, like uh, uh, kind of cinematic, like image that sticks in my mind from this thing is the moment where like. Uh, Jasmine like finally falls into the sand and her the hourglass and her hand goes She's out. She's about to drown in it. Um, and gosh, I just I really love the the final moment where Aladdin's about to get taken. And like you said before, it's like the kind of just winning by wits instead of strength by like you know tricking yeah. him into becoming the genie at the end. It's a great and fitting character moment for Aladdin that he doesn't find some way to beat Jafar through brute strength because that just wouldn't have worked. Right. But you, again, he, he realizes like, man, Jafar is so power hungry and just wants to be the best. So what if I tell him, oh, there's still someone better than you and I, you don't know the rules of being a genie. Yeah. And uh, it's really brief, but I, I've always loved Jafar's uh, genie design. It's scary. It's like demonic and muscular. Like, and the fact that Genie is this soft blue and Jafar is this harsh red, like if you just see the design side by side, it kind of tells you their personalities yeah. in, in a moment. And, and I love like the, you know, the amazing like cosmic power, and, like even his like voice changing in the deep, moment. Uh, and, and it's deep. higher and more reptilian for this name. Yeah. He and, he and Iago are defeated, and then we go back to comedy where they're arguing and, and the lamp gets sent to, uh, I don't think they get sent to Cave of Wonders because Iago digs them out in, in Richard Jafar, but you know, Redcon. Yeah, um, but I and so then we get our finale and another. So you said there were a couple of touching genie moments. I'm guessing one of them was I'm free. Well, I mean it's it's even the 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 minute before that, like where genie, you know, is willing to give it up. Is willing to give it up for Aladdin's love for Aladdin to to you know yeah. get his love, and then that's immediately followed by Aladdin you know showing us he's learned and that it's like you know making a note the right the if he's not choice. if he can't do it as himself he doesn't want to do it at all right um and then there's you know it's like uh uh it's like the beauty and the beast moment at the end where the beast turns back and magic sparkles except it's like it's much more wonderful it's like watching the shackles fall off is like a much yes and more it powerful thing. me as a kid that he and still I, wore them in the sequels and I, I didn't understand that at all and the uh but the the really one of my favorite like robin williams movie moments in the movie again is when he, you know, asks me for anything, asks me for anything, you wish know. Wish for the Nile. Wish for the Nile. Um, for the Nile. No it, way. It's just, it's like so, it's so joyful. And it's followed immediately by the moment where he like wants to see the world and like realizes he's going to like say goodbye yeah. to these people. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's, uh, it's magical. It's a magical Yeah, but I'll also say like, I feel like it hits a lot harder, it has hit a lot harder since we lost Robin Williams. Because you can only feel his metaphorical because realizing how, what it how many struggles he was going through, like I, as someone who deals with depression, I can't deal, talk about you know the drug problems he had, but depression and stuff like that. And it's just in a fascinating position because he was a man who above else made people laugh. He was yeah. he was an entertainer and, and a legendary at what he did, and it just sucks knowing what we know about how much he had to go through and giving into that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's um, nice that the things that he left behind for us he were the most, the most joyous things in the world. So yes, he left behind a lot. So. Um, that's all. I mean, very and, magical. And also, his I think I've brought it up on the show. His uh, his daughter is is a voice actress now. Yeah, Zelda after the game. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the commercial they did for Zelda? I did. Oh, it's so wholesome. Look it up on YouTube, people. It was for I think Ocarina of Time 3DS. 
so that's that's about it for for uh, for this movie. We get like another Aladdin and Jasmine get their little flying off into the moon, the moon, not the sunset. Mm-hmm. And he just has a major look. It's like one more meta thing because he actually like lifts the film reel and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, again, he's just very breaking the fourth wall. So I think we've gotten across like why this is such a well-made movie because it just everything just fits. Everything yeah, just magic. works. Everything is just spaced out and timed and executed appropriately. The performances are pretty astoundingly good across the board. Yeah, it's not just Ryan Williams. We talked about... Uh, Scott Wanger, who's like, you know, I only Steve know from, from Full, Full House. House. Like, Nailed it. He's just fabulous. Yes. Um, other ones, like we said, Linda Larkin. Uh, she's done other stuff, but she is most best known as Jasmine, and she nails it. I wasn't familiar with other stuff that Salton did, but I thought he was wonderful. Uh, it's actually, that's another thing I want to bring up. When you look compared to stuff like Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid, it's a very small cast. Yeah. And maybe that helps it be more focused because yeah. you don't have characters you feel like get short shrifted. I mean, like we said, it's like they, in the beginning, they, they made cuts for like Aladdin's mom and friends yeah. because I think yeah. they really wanted to give us time with our, our main cast. Yeah. So it is like, it, if for some reason you're listening to this and you still have never seen it, um, we've ruined the whole thing for you. That's true. That's true. But I should you have should said, still see it. I should have said at the beginning. Go find it. If you don't, even if you don't have Disney Plus, it's on Blu-ray and DVD. You can rent it on any any platform. It is easily accessible. Uh, I will also say real quick. I loved the uh, sequels as a kid, but they are something I have not revisited because I have a feeling they will not measure up, especially to the original. So I will say I have revisited. Them. Okay, go for it. And I will say this: Return of Jafar, the second movie, the yeah. the, the first sequel, is. Um, pretty bad. It's pretty rough. It's pretty boring. And it, it was going to be the pilot for the show. And then yeah. they let's make that a movie. It would have been better as TV episodes. Yes, it would have. It wasn't, it, it doesn't have half as much like joy or fun as the original movie uh, does. And it just feels kind of there. There. Um, kind of like New Spaceship. Yeah. And you know, they, and this is at the time too where they replaced Genie uh, with Dan Castellaneta. With Dan Castellaneta, who I think does a really admirable job. But it's so um, different. But it's so different. And the kind of scatological, like zany, improv stuff just like isn't really there. Well, because um, it wasn't Robin Williams doing it. It was right. some other guys. Right. And you know, I, again, I don't blame Dan Castellaneta for that no, at he all. Did, he did a great job. He did a great job. But but it's just it's just not the same. Did I, you actually, did you know what he said about the, taking the role? Huh. How like imposing it was? He said it felt like he said it like it's the equivalent of being a stage actor and being told you're replacing Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's 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 bizarre and it's again he actually does a, a great job with what he's given but it's just it's not fair. Okay, um, how about King of Thieves? And but what I will say is King of Thieves, while while not having quite the heart that the the first yeah, one no, has, good. Um, and not quite the the story uh, uh, that the first one has. The, the individual moments, kind of beat for beat, are way more fun than Return of Jafar. I had a lot of fun uh, re-watching it. I thought it was, um, you know, it's still neither of these movies stack up to the original at all. But King of Thieves definitely has its moments, and I enjoyed it a lot more. Would you say it works as a finale, since you have, like, the wedding and Iago leaving at the end and stuff like that? Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think it, here's what I'll say. I think, you know, if... In a perfect world, Aladdin would have been the end. That would yes. have been that would yes. have been the finale. Awesome. That would have been fine. But in the world that we had, it was kind of a great coming home after the second movie, after Return of Jafar, which which is kind of a rough. yeah, it's just rough. It's boring. It feels like it. 
it short shrifts everybody because it, their 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 arcs it's in this more, second movie. Even as a kid, I'm more like I was like, this is more Iago's movie than Aladdin's. Yes, exactly. It's the only, and I will say in Return of Jafar, the only thing that is fun is Iago in that movie. He well, they got Gilbert Godfrey back. He probably improv some stuff. Got Gilbert Godfrey back, and his story kind of where his his, his turn to light is uh, very fun. Um, and he does a great job, and it's touching. And thankfully, they didn't massacre him in later stuff. He was still a dick, but you know, he, he kind of got fed up with Jafar. Yeah, he's still a sarcastic blowhard, but he's not evil. Evil. Yeah. Okay. And I will say real quick, I did skim through the remake. Yes, I watched the remake on a plane and could not get through more than a half an hour before I turned it off. Man, it, I waited till Will Smith's genie showed up. I watched a song. I said, "This is unwatchable," and I turned it off. It's. Later on, I think Will Smith has good moments. Uh, they did at least make the smart decision to not try and emulate Robin Williams. Yeah, good like, move. Just do something totally different. But yeah, it just it lacks soul. It feels very joyless, awkward. Yeah, and the stuff they add, like 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 Jafar wanting to go to war with the neighboring kingdom and Jasmine wanting to rule the kingdom instead of it just doesn't click. It doesn't feel. I would have rather. I mean, I could say it's about the everyday remake. I would rather you take like maybe like the opening foundation of a movie and then do a completely new plot with yeah. those established characters. And I will say more. I feel like you, 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 the writers have more flexibility. Yeah, and I will say one thing that really sticks out in this live action remake is that after like the truly magical musical numbers in this movie, almost all of the musical numbers fall so flat in the live action remake. It's just like they either try to do too much of the same and it just doesn't it doesn't come out as well in like the yeah. in the in the live action version. Or they kind of stray too far, and it just feels like a, a cheap imitation. I don't know. I'll tell you something that disappoints me because I was looking forward to seeing the Cobra fight. Do you know what they do instead at the end? I didn't get to the end. Jafar makes Iago like kaiju size, and he chases them through the city on the carpet. That is boring. It's it's a baffling decision. Yes. Um, though, and, and they also maybe they were trying to make it more grounded, but they make Iago. He's basically the fake identity all the time, where he's just commenting like he's not doing a full conversation yeah and it's just like then why is he there so yeah we um obviously everything afterwards is a mixed bag but that's how it is with most franchises but there is uh still no denying that this movie is this first movie is just a it's not even diamond in the rough because it's not like it's hidden it's people know it exists people both people would agree it's wonderful and yeah, it's pretty easily accessible, and hopefully, and I it's been so much fun doing this different this kind of different take. And I'm glad you were so game for it. Yeah, this is kind of more analytical. Normally, I wouldn't do something; I would be more freeform. But this is just something where, like, if we're doing something this like a fundamental of Disney in animation that everybody knows, then it's like let's not just do like, oh, remember when they did this? Who could yeah. forget that? Because everybody knows. Yeah, and so it was it's fun like, to revisit for me, kind of as an adult. I haven't seen it in a while, and. Uh, it is almost ultimate nostalgia for me. It's it's unbelievable. It's, it, it's best of both worlds in that it has it it takes me back to good times in my life as in childhood. But it's also just like one of the, one of the most one of the best like altogether pieces of animation I've ever seen. Yeah, and like, it holds up actually phenomenally it's well. Great. It's great. So yeah, we both highly, highly, highly recommend Aladdin, uh, the original, and. That's going to bring things to a close. I, I want to thank you for... We, we did it. We finally did this episode. We finally episode, did an episode. This cursed episode After 41. our fourth try. I, that is the first time we've ever had to abandon a recording. I'm 100% certain that you're going to get home and somehow this file's going to be corrupted. Or my laptop's going to crash on me. Or it's going to crash while exporting. Or I don't know. And we're just going to be like... 
abandon a ship. It'll never happen. But uh, yeah, I I don't have the next episode planned out 100% yet. I have an idea for what I want it to be, but I want to reach out to the potential guests first and see if they want to do it. It would be something very different. Uh, not in terms of structure like this, but like I would probably be the most obscure thing we've ever done, but it's something I want to spread the word of. And if I can't make it happen next, I'll try to make it happen in the future. But um, Patrick, I, I want to thank you again for coming on. And uh, I know online you're like you deleted your Twitter and some other stuff, but again, where can people find uh, your improv work? Yeah, so I don't really do stuff online anymore because I uh, uh, kind of hate social media. Yeah. Um, but I uh, will say that if you are ever interested in seeing some great live comedy in the DC area, uh, Washington Improv Theater is returning to uh, in-person programming. Um, so you can come on uh, weekends and uh, just check our website, witdc.org, W-I-T-D-C.org. Uh, I'm going to ask John to throw it in the show notes for sure. me, where you can uh, check out some of the shows and stop by. But also, if you are a person who lives outside of a major city or away from like a, a, a major hub of improv somewhere in the world, and it seems like something that you would... Uh, really like to try. Uh, Wit is continuing to offer online classes because of the level they've had of success they've had over COVID um, with having these online classes. And it actually is a great place to just try it out. Um, so I highly recommend checking out those classes if you're ever interested. You're going to find really supportive uh, teachers and uh, really supportive uh, supportive fellow classmates. Uh, and you know, it's it's a great way to play pretend as an adult with with. Uh, a pretty stress-free environment. Less being judged. Less being judged. Uh, as for me, you can find me still at Behan Art, B-E-H-O-N-A-R-T, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Uh, though I'm spending more time on updating side accounts on Twitter, that being the WarioWare reanimate, Gold Reanimated Collab. We've seen some cool progress there. Also, uh, since E3, we're looking forward to get it together on the Switch this fall, along, yep. with, along with Metroid Dread. Yeah. And uh, uh, also, a more acquired taste, You can still I'm still running Bobobo out of context. Uh, seen great growth. We actually, uh, I know you don't give a damn about Bobo, but one, I don't at all. one of the uh, main voice actresses recently passed away, so we've been doing some oh. little tributes to uh, to her as well. And well, rest in peace to her. Yeah, she did a great job. And uh, also, I'll, I, I'm posting the newer episodes uh, show descriptions. We, I have a, a Discord server originally made for the collab, but it, I'm opening up to other projects, including this, and just general talk about games, cartoons, movies, posting your own art and projects called Diamond City Nights, as a little nod to WarioWare. Uh, so feel free to hop on and join that. Just talk about whatever. Uh, but that is going to bring episode 41 to a close. Again, Patrick, thank you so much for joining, thank joining you, us. Thank you, John. It's always a blast. And I can't think of a witty joke or anything other than... Uh... Nope, got nothing. Yep, me too. Bye! <laughs>